0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Wayne Spletstozer is in his 22nd year as the Director of Instrumental Music and Music Technology at Torrington High School in Torrington, Connecticut. Since 1996, the THS band has received over 40 first place awards from parades across New England and has participated in numerous honor parades and competitions in Washington, D.C. and Connecticut. The THS Music Technology Program has been nationally recognized and has been presented at all state conferences in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Texas. Most recently, THS was featured as a best practice for music education at the 2018 Audio Engineering Society High School Audio Educators Conference in Boston, Massachusetts. As a presenter, Wayne has presented music technology sessions to school districts and universities in and across New England. In 2009, Wayne was awarded the Technology Institute for Music Educators National Technology Teacher of the Year. On a programming note, this is the last podcast episode of the school year, and it's great to have Wayne as our guest. So Wayne, it is a real pleasure uh, to speak with you. Finally, you are our final episode of the 2018-19 uh, season so uh, thanks very much for agreeing to chat with us. It's really wonderful to have you. Well thank you for having me. So uh, first, I think I was I was trying to uh, recall when I first met you Wayne and I'm pretty sure it was in Texas in 2009 when you won the time Teacher of the year. I think is that right? Yes, 2009 in Texas. Yeah, so how did you, you know, that for those of the listeners, you're probably the third or fourth person who I've talked to. It's just such a great group of music educators. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you, you know, got nominated and won that award. It's such a great honor, in my opinion.
1: I was nominated by Scott Watson. Ah, Fabulous. Yeah, fabulous worked guy. with a little bit through various uh, music tech projects. He teaches summer classes at CCSU, Central Connecticut State University. And I would kind of go and just sit in his class and we would talk. Um, he helped me out on some things here in Torrington. I'm building my classes and
0: I didn't know he was doing it, but then he nominated me for the award. Oh, Wow. Yeah, Scott is, for those of, for those listeners who don't know, Scott Watson is one of the most uh, amazing music educators and composers and music tech guys I know, absolutely salt of the earth, sweetheart kind of guy. So that doesn't surprise me at all that he put you up for it. And and again, congratulations. It's now a decade ago, but uh, it's (laughs) been really nice uh, uh, to know you and to see what you've been doing over, over that time. So how long have you been teaching, Wayne? I've been teaching at Torrington High for 22
1: years. Wow. All right. So you've been there a while. It was, well, that,
0: was that your first job or were you anywhere before then?
1: I was at a small Catholic high school in Connecticut for two years right
0: out of college before I um, got the job here in Torrington. All right. Great. And so, I mean, yeah, let's just dive right in, Scott. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your job is? What is your music program? What, what do you do on a daily basis? Well,
1: we have a traditional high school. We are grades nine through 12. I am the director of instrumental music and music technology. So I teach orchestra, bands, jazz ensemble, small chamber ensembles, as well as music
0: tech one, music tech two classes. So you basically have no free time whatsoever between uh, the end of August and the end of June, correct? None whatsoever. Yeah. I remember, I think we were trying to schedule this uh, webinar and you were saying that you you had to do a mattress sale on a weekend. So, uh, you know. (laughs) I'm it's sure that fundraising every, is a necessary evil in public school education. It sure is, unfortunately. I, I think <laughs> you'd agree. So um, it sounds like a very uh, a traditional high school music program that you're involved with, but you have this fantastic music tech component. Is that correct? Yes. The music
1: tech thing has grown over the years. Um, when I first started here in 1996, the music tech class was started about two months before that in the previous school year. Oh, wow. Well, okay. it started it left. And there was literally nothing left for me to do. And the music supervisor at the time said, oh, by the way, congratulations, you're now the high school band director and you have to teach these music tech classes. I said, great. What are they? No one could give you answers. Because, you know, don't forget in the mid to early 90s, there wasn't a lot of training for this. This wasn't commonplace. I had nothing in terms of training for music tech in my undergrad degree. So I went into this job going, I want to be a high school band director. And then I was told, yeah, you also have to teach these classes. So the first uh, couple years were, yeah, the first couple of years were basically what could I figure out after school and at night so I can teach something the next day?
0: Yeah, that is, that is probably uh, very similar for me. I had no undergraduate training whatsoever. I was definitely, I, I, I kind of proactively wanted to do it. So I had some ideas, but I think a lot of people would agree with you. That's that's kind of the way most people get started—just thrown in the absolute deep end and say go. Uh, yeah. But um, did did what did you learn from that that kind of experience of just being chucked in? I mean, how did you how did you learn what to do? Um, you know, were you at that point, 1996? I don't even know if if you well, YouTube wasn't around. If I absolutely not, YouTube was not around. So how did you like learn? What did you do, Wayne? How did you get from point A to point B?
1: basically, there was nowhere to go. I couldn't call a high school. I couldn't talk to universities. Um, And it was basically searching online, what was online at the time, um, various college syllabuses for like the big music schools out in the Midwest and the West Coast that were starting to do this kind of thing. So I would look and see what they were doing and trying to adapt it to what I had, which was LC2... 80 max, those beige I, I in the time. Yep. You know, they should have a crank start in the beginning because they're so absolutely <laughs> And you know, my knowledge, which was very little to none, and how could I do something with the class the next day, Friday, the following week? So it was basically learned by fire. Huge trial and error. Some things work great, great. I'd write that down. The ones that didn't work, toss it aside. To be honest, I learned a lot from the kids because the kids were hungry for this stuff even though I had no clue what I was doing. So I'd watch them and I'd say, hey, how did you how did you just do that? They go, oh, well, you do this, 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 and this. So I would write it down. I had this big binder and the period after that, they thought I was a superstar because I'd go in saying, oh, yeah, I do this, do this. And then my first pre-class knew I had no clue because I wasn't teaching them anything. So- I learned a lot from the kids on basically how to do some things in the software. Then I adapted to how to teach traditional music through this technology because technology is a tool.
0: Yeah, I, I, by the way, you just literally hit on every theme that I love. And and these themes are recurring in every uh, podcast that I've done. Uh, and you know, I, absolutely true that it's okay to let the kids do that. I mean, it, it doesn't feel good as a teacher. We're kind of trained to be the oh, expert, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're I'm sure to
1: be the authoritative figure in front of the room, and you're taught you know everything, and you know. But it's okay, the kids. Can teach you things, and even now, you know, we were learning personas, Studio One, and we're going through stuff. And kids go, "Hey, look what I just found!" I'm like, great, show me how to do that. Better yet, why don't you go to the board and you know put it on the screen? And we'll show your computer. So oh, cool. I've never had a problem with you know either learning from the students or having the students jump up and teach the class.
0: So, you did, Wayne, do you remember, I, I wouldn't, I'm, I think I might remember what I was using, but do you have any re- recollection of what kind of software you were using back in, I mean, that is the dark ages. 23 years ago. That was, if I remember right, it was
1: Encore, it was um, a very basic sequencer, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was... Something um, like
0: uh, maybe it, Music Shop or, or uh, a Master Tracks Pro. those
1: kind Master Tracks Pro, that's what it was. Yeah. Then Cakewalk came out with Metro 4. Oh, my goodness. That, yeah, I know. We're, we're going way better. We're, <laughs> we're eating ourselves. Metro. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> this wow. is going to be vintage music tech talk. That's um, great. And we started with that. And then I had backtracking. Torrington, we don't have a lot of resources for funding then or now. So basically I had to learn to do what I have with what I had. In other words, yep. I didn't have the resources to get new computers all the time or new software. It was, you have this software from 1998, it's now 2005 and you still have to make it work.
0: Yep. That said, I'm sure everybody would, everyone's nodding their head who's listening. That, that is yep. absolutely the case. Well, so um, why don't you tell us now, Like to fast forward to 2019, what does your music tech program specifically look like? How many kids do you have in those classes?
1: Well, we have two classes. We have music tech one and music tech two. Music tech one is a general elective open to anybody in the school. Basically, it reaches the other 80% of the building because your 20% is your band, chorus, orchestra, your traditional performing kids. So music tech opens the door to everyone else in the building. We offer anywhere from six to eight sections a year in Music Tech 1. And that's a 20-station lab. So we can offer that many sections. So my job, as much as I'm a band director and have a band that does marching band and jazz and all that, the Music Tech program is actually bigger than the band program here because of the numbers. And then Music Tech 2 is the advanced class where they go in and we focus more on kind of real-world, real-life applications of Music Tech. This year I'm our school is big on to the career pathways and a lot of high school people are probably nodding their head going, "Yeah, we heard of this. So I kind of geared the class into three tracks, music production, music business and audio engineering. So I tried to touch on all three aspects throughout the class through various projects, but we've had kids that have gone through the tech classes here and have gone on to own studios. Um, We have performing artists signed with major labels that have come through our program that the music tech bug caught with them, and they've just soared with it.
0: Yeah, so you bring up a point, Wayne, that a lot of music directors who are adverse to bringing technology into their (laughs) programs, you just literally hit the button, which is that your music tech program actually has more students uh, then say, your band, um, and that is what they all fear, is that if I offer music tech, all the band kids will leave and go into their uh, music technology, and then my, the band will be, you know, depleted, and it won't be so good. Is that the case at your school, or, or the, is it a totally separate population? Uh,
1: it's, not, it's not the case here. Um, we have a population of about 800 to 900 kids in the building and the music tech reaches, like I said, the other 80%. So most of the kids in every section of the class are the non-band chorus orchestra kids. They're just right. the general kids in the school. They may have some music background through general music leading up, but they're not the, you know, the performing kids. I have some trickle in, yes,
0: but they are kind of separate, which right. helps. Can, can, they, can they take both? Can, can they do both yes. band and music tech? Um, That's a half-year class, so they
1: can fit it in. In our school, it counts as an applied ed class, a computer class, or a music class, fine arts requirement, depending on what the, the kid needs to graduate in terms of
0: requirements. Well, I wish that everybody who I've ever heard make the argument that offering music tech might pull kids away from your program could hear what you just said, because folks like Barbara Friedman, who's a fellow Connecticut uh, music educator, at, at the, that's all she talks about is, you know, it's not going to deplete your program. Instead, it might actually, some of the, have you ever had a kid be in the music tech program and say, hey, can I be in band or is that is that just completely n- never?
1: No, I got a great quick story for that. Um, it was a music tech one and the, we're talking about keyboards. And I said, okay, why don't you guys play around the keyboards, get familiar with it. And I'm just walking around the room and then all of a sudden in the back of the room, I hear the, the song Just Friends being played. And this kid's ripping up and down these chord progressions. So of course I make it to the back part of the room. I said, hey, how you doing? You, you play piano? He goes, oh yeah, yeah, I play piano. I said, you sound like you've taken lessons before. Oh, I've taken lessons since fourth grade. I said, you sound like you've taken jazz lessons. Oh, yeah, I know. You study with this person and I've done this, this, and this. And I said, why have you never auditioned for jazz band before? And he goes, well, I didn't think I was good enough. Oh my. So two <laughs> months later, he's sitting in my jazz band. Um, six months later, we go to a festival and he plays this solo and wins Outstanding Soloist. Of course. And, to- <laughs> yeah, of course. and today he's a gigging musician around Connecticut and he attributes it, you know, to being in the music tech program and being in band, he learned trumpet to be in marching band. I mean, it, so it goes both ways. I've had a lot of kids go from band, chorus, orchestra to music tech and love it. And a lot of kids from music tech go on into bands and they just didn't realize, oh, I didn't realize I could do it. Um, in most high schools, band directors will take anybody regardless of experience. So my band has you know all state players on down to kids who've never played a day in their life all in the same room.
0: Wow. That's, that's very, very cool. And, and so uh, just a little bit more on the logistics of these music tech classes, Wayne. You So when you say you offer six to eight sections, is, that, is are those uh, marking period long, half-year, full-year sections? Because that's a, that's a lot of classes. Yeah, it's a, it's a half-year
1: um, class. I teach some of them, and we have the other music teacher, the choir teacher position. They also teach them.
0: Oh, we fantastic.
1: Almost, yeah, oh, we can great. almost justify a third person just for music tech classes. That's how many... Um, kids want to take it. There's always a waiting list for the class, and in our school, it's the most requested elective in the building.
0: Absolutely, and I've heard that exact same phrase from the last three people I've interviewed. So that's uh, uh it's great. I it makes me I'm smiling on the inside and outside wing because it, it you're you're really um, uh, reinforcing what uh, what everybody's been saying for years that this is. adding music tech, getting the other 80% involved in your music program is only a net gain for the program. It it is never a negative. Uh, You know, to me, getting more kids under the tent, I'm sure you would agree, is, is a good thing. Well, the best part about technology is
1: any kid can have success with it regardless of their experience or musical background. We're doing a little pilot thing this year with our special needs program, where one day a week, we're bringing in five or six special needs kids, and we're introducing them to GarageBand. Yeah, I'm showing very basic, here's how to click and drag a loop into GarageBand. And then we'll give them a parameter of, okay, you can choose these four or five loops. Now, what can you do with them? And the the smiles on their faces, but just the fact that they can log into the and the motor skills of operating the mouse and everything along with the music just opens them up to a whole new world that other classes can't do for them.
0: That's great. Oh, oh man, that's uh, very, very cool. Smiling on the inside and out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the, and the other, you said the Music Tech 2 class, and you had these big kind of three components, major components to it. Is that, is that a one-period-a-day type thing, or how many sections of that do you offer?
1: we offer one section, usually just one, sometimes two, depending on the amount of kids. Not every kid you know, goes on into Tech 2, but that is a semester uh, half of your class as well. So that goes from usually January to the end of the school year. And the way our schedule is now, we see all classes every single day. So I do see them five days a week.
0: Oh, wow. Do you, do you offer AP Music Theory as well? Is that, is that something at Torrington or, or no? No. Well, here's
1: one of the drawbacks with music tech. We have so many kids taking music tech right. that we don't have enough to offer a theory class because they're all in music tech. And the way our school schedule is, there's just not enough periods in the day to offer theory along with everything else, which is a disservice. We should be offering theory, but in our situation, the music tech has just taken over so much other stuff. It's not that we don't do theory in the class, but we don't have the traditional theory class separate.
0: You just need to hire another faculty member. I mean, is that, is that Seriously, different? we could easily justify another full-time person. Absolutely, very cool. So Wayne, um you know I, I know that you, um, you you basically, from what you were saying earlier, my next question is always about how you got interested in music tech, but it sounds like you just got thrown in the deep end. You had uh, no previous experience uh, correct you just that was it like wham yeah. teaching?
1: I like, had nothing in my undergrad degree because um, it wasn 't a thing back then, and I get hired here at Torrington and they say congratulations you 're the high school band director, and now you have to teach these music tech classes.
0: Right. So then how do, you, how do you get from that position to being awarded, uh, you know, not even uh, maybe a little over 10, 12 years later, the, the, this national award for being the teacher of the year? Uh, what, maybe you could just describe how you got from, from you know, kind of novice to, to expert. I think
1: it comes down to, I was just being obsessed with being better at it. But in the beginning, it was feeling total incompetence and not knowing what I was doing. And after going through all the training of, you know, here's how to run a band and here's this, you know, you have the tools for that. But then I got thrown into this situation where I knew nothing. So it was hard to prove yourself. So I was just obsessed with learning more and I was find ways to learn more. And I would lock myself in my office to literally eight o'clock every night searching webs, sitting with the software, dragging keyboards home over weekends. I mean, my my room looked like a, you know, early uh, Sweetwater catalog. I was obsessed with getting better. I wanted to be better for myself, but mostly for the kids so they could learn something. And that just organically grew. I think the one thing that helped our program or anything else was we had to build a website as part of one of our teacher directives one year. So I think it was 99, 98, I put together our high school music department website solely for music tech because I figured what's a technology class without a website and we can post assignments and listen to things and that took off and that's its own monster right now. It sure is. Old, I, I love you. I'll,
0: I'll make sure that I put the, uh, a link to your website in the uh, SoundCloud description.
1: Great. Thank you. We, right now we have over a hundred schools that follow our website through various things. And I get one or two emails a week from schools all over the country, Australia, Costa Rica. Keep asking them to bring me in for professional development down there. Absolutely. (laughs) Asking, you know, how do you do this? How can we start? And the music tech community is so, giving because we've all been in that situation. Yep. We've all been in that, I don't know what I'm doing or how do I do this? So we all willing to give them anything we need to give.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a left turn now, Wayne, and, and bring into uh, you know, what, what you uh, are doing with Music First. Now, my understanding is that you are about to bring Music First on board, is that correct? Or have you been using some of the, the software that, that we offer?
1: We've been using it for about a year now. Okay. So we've been using um, Practice First along with the Music First learning management system. Mm-hmm. And the goals that I've put in for this year was to basically improve the individual playing. With 125 kids in band and you know, 40 in orchestra, listening to the traditional playing test was just, it wasn't possible. Right. You know, i only listen to so many in the car, so in the office. So my um, school district allowed me to, get music first. And it basically was to make my job easier was the first aspect of it. But what it's done is it, it, the kids love it oh, They great. Wanted to love it because you know, I oh, mean we're getting more playing tests or we're doing more of this in it. But deep down inside they're like, well this is kind of cool because I can play the exercise. It automatically shows me what I'm doing, grades me, and if I didn't like this the grade, I could just resubmit it and do it again. So there's like competition in some sections, like, hey, who got the highest score on the scale test? Or, hey, this end of the quarter playing test, what did you get? So they're, they kind of push themselves. But I mean, as a music teacher, is anything to want them to play more, anything to get them to buy into it and have personal responsibility of it. That's the, the thing that's really taking over with us.
0: No, that's, that's really good to hear. To be quite honest with you, Wayne, uh, this this uh, may sound like I wasn't prepared at all, which I guess I wasn't. <laughs> I, I was thinking that you were using music first in your music tech program. So to hear that you're using with your band, just that's fantastic. Uh, and and really, when when we designed um, uh, practice first, I'm the one who named it. Um, the- I named it because of when when anybody would ever ask me as a band director what is the bane of your existence, it was to get kids to practice. Period. Yeah. You know, and having the ability for them to do it outside of the classroom, and in their own space, even on their phone, um, was the whole intent for that product. Obviously, there are competitors out there, but we we just wanted it to be. You know, the kids live on their phones, and you're just please. I mean, I know that when I taught middle school band, I would beg the kids to practice and that's why i call it practice first is because it's all about just getting the horn in the face or the flute or oh. the you know singing so that really that's very cool here. so you're are you thinking of using um uh music first with your music tech because i know that i think you're thinking of expanding or is that with the with your performance ensembles or, or with your music tech classes
1: well the first area we're going to expand is performing ensembles right um, we're going to to implement more technology into the performing ensembles. Oh, great. So I'm hopefully do um, Sight Reading Factory, as well as getting more of the, um, the books, the method books. Oh, cool. Ah, very cool. That's great. I really would like to use it for the music technology classes, but financially, in terms of our situation, I don't know if that'll fly. Yeah. I mean,
0: you've been been using software for seven years. Like I totally get it way. (laughs) I, it's always a thing of funding. Isn't it, isn't it a shame that, you know, the, the, I felt always, I taught in a very, very affluent district in New Jersey for most Mm -hmm. of my career. And I got no money. Uh, I, every penny that I, that I got. I mean, that's why you're sitting on a Saturday ruining your day selling mattresses in an high school gym. Uh, I, don't think, yep. I don't think enough people in the public outside of education realize just how much responsibility we as educators have for fundraising. I and mean, wouldn't you agree? It's just silly.
1: Well, music teachers, the fundraising is it's a necessary evil for us to succeed, whereas the traditional classroom teacher, you know, your core classes, your math, your science, and all those, although music is a core, um, they don't have to do that. But as, as band directors, especially, we have to get buses, we have to get instruments and uniforms and then transportation and then, oh, we got to go on a trip. Okay, well, now how many kids can't afford it due to, you know, financial family reasons? Okay, well, we got to fundraise some more. So for us, it's, it's what
0: we have to do. Yeah, it's what I had to do. I had a tw- uh, when I taught middle school, I had a, a 14 station lab at one point. And uh, when I bought it, I bought it from Soundtree many, many years ago, and it costs, you know, some, almost $50,000. It took me three years of fundraising to buy that. And then when I finally got it, I realized, oh, I need to, uh, you know, raise another three to $4,000 a year just to maintain the headphones and all the stuff that went along with it. I'm sure you're in the same boat. Oh, Yeah. We're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I wish that if there's a superintendent of schools that ever listens to this podcast, which I, I would be thrilled, please fund things like this. Because I think you'd agree, Wayne, that I always felt that the return on that investment was life-changing to these kids. It really, I mean, I, I, I would think you'd, you could point to many of your students whose lives were changed or, or, or you know, made better because of the access to this stuff.
1: Well, music changes lives, period, right. no matter you know, what your situation is. But with music tech, incorporating it in our classes, we've incorporated a lot of interdisciplinary aspects into the tech one and tech two, going back to those classes. So it shows administrators that, oh, it's not just the kids in the music room. We would do a, a assignment within class where they would come in and we would record them reading Macbeth whatever they were reading in English class. Right. And my class would put music to it or we would combine with the marketing class and do like a school-wide video between the Music Tech 2 class and the marketing class. So technology brings a lot of people into the music world that
0: don't think they, they keep along with us. Right. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that you have students who have like, you know, recording contracts. I, uh, you know, I, I must have taught 2,500, 3,000 students, probably more than that in my in my 15 years, mm-hmm. and, you know, in my band programs. And I think I have one student that made it as a player that actually is out there, and, and even as a music educator, like it's that few. Um, yeah. but, but the number of DJs that I now, like I'm friends with on Facebook, these kids who are in their early 30s living in Brooklyn DJing house parties and making their entire living being DJs is extraordinary that's where all of my kids I have one kid who, who does uh, Coachella he's like this crazy EDM um, DJ guy is it the same for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's the next wave in music technology in the schools is that DJing live performance aspect, because I think now some people kind of pigeonhole music tech to you must use GarageBand, click, drag the mouse, play on a keyboard. And that's fine. But then there's that whole other part of the kids where they see that. So, you know, I bought a couple of DJ setups and now we're kind of messing around with that. And it's still music technology and they're learning about drops and samples and all that. And it's just opening up their eyes. And I, I think that's the next wave in terms of putting it into the schools
0: is that end of it. I agree completely. One of my previous guests, I think on the, on the uh, two podcasts ago, was talking about how he's bringing in virtual turntables and the kids absolutely... You know, love oh, really? it. Have, have you seen... Uh, I have you, more fun than they do with stuff. What was that? I have more fun than they do with this stuff. Absolutely. I, there's a free website for anyone who's listening have never been there before. You, dot d j. It's the coolest thing in the world. It's completely free. You can upload your own music to it. There's already tons of Spotify playlists in there. Have you seen that site, uh, Wayne? Yes. Actually, we're using that in class. There you um, go, right? So it, whenever... Class- Sure, the kids absolutely love it. They're probably all making their remix tapes and saying, you know, check, follow me on SoundCloud. I'm about to drop my latest track.
1: Oh yeah, it's great, and you can import like go YouTube videos and
0: and drop those in there, and it's it's amazing what it is. And being free, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it it is. And I I learned out I learned how to use it. I went on like everyone else. I went to YouTube and I said, you know, are there tutorial videos? And of course there are. And and within. Yeah. I think within five minutes i was i was actually making you could even scratch which i you know i don't know what the heck i'm doing but uh yeah i think you're right wayne that uh, that djing and that kind of live music production ableton live serato all the stuff that's out there that is the next wave well we have to reach you know again the non-traditional kids
1: yep. and there are colleges offering you know hip-hop degrees hip-hop music degrees and you know live performance parts of their music program so like I said, we have to reach kids any way we can.
0: And I think that's the next way. I agree. Um, so back to practice first for a minute. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, Wayne, and, and you could be as brutally honest as you'd like uh, with us. The, the main difference between practice first and say a product like smart music is the amount of content that we have. And I heard that you mentioned uh, that, you know, you're looking to you know, possibly get some method books, which, we, which are offered. Are you creating the content yourself? And, and if so, like how, how much of a process is that for you?
1: I create some things, but I take a lot from, you have the foundations for superior performance in band. Yeah. I use that with practice first, the habits of a successful musician. I use a lot of those. But then you have a lot of pre-made stuff built in. You have all the all-state scales. So that's all built in. There's a lot of audition material that's already in practice first through various things. So I've been taking parts of that. I have taken some of the music that we've been doing this year and, you know, making MIDI files and uploading them so they can yeah. do their playing tests with their music. I mean, it's, it's not hard to do. It just takes a little bit of time.
0: Yeah. And there, there are many ways, which I won't go into on a, on a, on a public record, but there are many ways to find those parts and, and bring them in. Yeah. And really I would argue strongly that it is a fair use if you legally purchase those arrangements and you're working on those with your band uh, to assess, that's what a lot of our teachers are doing. You know, we can't really point you exactly where to go, but uh, that that is a thing. We're we're this summer adding tons and tons of repertoire, which will be great. But as you know, it's 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 all about um, you know the the actual assessment, keeping it affordable, and getting kids playing. Uh, we, for example, we have a lot of high school. Do you teach marching band, Wayne? Yes. So we have a lot, a lot of marching bands that are getting their arrangements because so many schools now are getting custom arrangements made for them. And they're just, when that arranger sends them the show, they're also sending it to them as a, you know, either music XML file or or a Muse score, Sibelius finale, no flight, whatever whatever format. And uh, we've got some fantastic marching band programs out in the Midwest that are just uploading their shows. We have a memorization feature where I don't know if you've seen that, where the kids can when they click record their marching band chart just disappears and they have to play it from memory which is uh which is pretty cool that's awesome no i haven't seen that yet all right you got to check that out so um i i'm looking at the clock and i've got a couple more questions for you wayne and i really appreciate you taking time out of your school day for us um so the main thing i and i you've touched on it a bit already wayne but but advice uh, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening that is either you know just dabbling right now, they're trying to figure it out, or, or maybe has been using it for a while, might be frustrated. What advice would you give other music educators when it comes to music tech? You got to implement it in baby steps,
1: small steps. Um, implement what you know first, and from that you will grow and you'll learn more. Uh, but don't be afraid to take a take a challenge, take a step forward with stuff. Don't be afraid to try something. You know, I mean, we've all had stories where, you know, I thought that's the greatest lesson in the world and you get in the classroom and it just totally bombs on you. Then you have other ones who go, I don't know if this is really going to work. And all of a sudden it's the greatest lesson ever. So you just can't be afraid. Um, It'll happen for you. You just got to be consistent and you have to present the technology in a way that's uplifting and the kids will, will follow you
0: yeah I mean, I, I think that music educators and I, I, I probably these are probably fighting words for for people who teach other subject areas, um, but I think music teachers are personally the most adept at at plan B so if, when something does go wrong and it 's just a matter of time with music technology, to say that uh, you can get through a month without something going horribly wrong is laughable. I, I think you probably agree you know. It, <laughs> So if you have a plan B, I mean, um, you know, uh, even yesterday I was in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania, uh, demoing a piece of software. And and all of a sudden, you know, whether it was their Wi-Fi didn't work or something didn't work, you know, what do you say? Like, I'm going to cry and and go away and not do this. (laughs) You know, you're a music teacher. We know how to say, all right, well, let's let's go in this lane. Let me show you how you can do this. Uh, Right? I mean, I I don't think teachers should be afraid. I, I think you've given really, really good advice on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember a story where an administrator came in to do an observation for tech class and I had all set and all of a sudden I go on the board and I put it up on the board to show and then the, my teacher station dies. Next thing you know, this was back in the day, we had MIDI interfaces and all the kids hands go up. Oh, my MIDI interface. So 20 minutes of that first lesson was going around troubleshooting everything and the administrator was amazed that he goes, wow you really dug in and, you know, you had to dive in and fix all that. I said, well, yeah, what do you want me to do? Sit here and wait for IT to come three days later?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, Wayne, I, I said this, I think, in my last podcast interview, but I'm going to say it again. I, I personally think you, you can figure that out. Like, so I've had that happen. I've had a light bulb go out, you know, smack right in the middle of a lesson, and you're done like, if your projector goes out. Um, what I say to the kids oh, is, yeah. like, what, what would you do in this situation? Right. So I turn it as a as a teachable moment, if you will, quotes uh, intended and say, all right, kids, what, what would you do in this situation? I've just had this thing go out. What would you do? And the kids have amazing suggestions, by the way, because inside you're sweating, you're freaking out. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this just happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I do that even in my graduate classes. I say, all right, so we've just had this thing happen. The perfect time to discuss what should we do if you, know, you lose your file? Like some kid completely deletes their file and it's gone rather than, you know, I, 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 I'm sure you do that same kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah. I call it improv teaching at its best.
0: There There you go. All right, well, Wayne, so um, uh, the last question I'm going to ask you, uh, Wayne, is the one that I ask everybody, and that's, if if you could ma- wave a magic wand, it doesn't have to be about uh, practice first, or it could be about music technology in general. If you could wave a magic wand and poof, you know, music tech does this, what would it be?
1: Wow, that's a lovely question. It is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is there is there I mean, music so- tech is just, yeah. well, you're breaking up um so yeah i mean is there any like thing that it doesn't do now that you wish it could do oh music first you mean oh no anything anything music technology
1: oh. no i mean right now everything is everything is becoming more accessible i yep. think the The software manufacturers and everybody that's creating technology realizes that there doesn't need to be that big learning curve anymore. So kids, regardless, and adults, if you're first timers, anybody can really dive in and not have to worry about, you know, the pro tools of years ago, we had to sit there with a manual for weeks and weeks and weeks to do something. Um, I think that's a good thing with technology. Um, The magic wands, I think just make it more accessible, keep the cost down and, you know, it'll take care of itself.
0: Yeah. All right, Wayne. Well, you're the last podcast of our school year. I I know that it's a couple weeks away for for you till the end, but uh, do you have any great summer plans? A lot of naps. (laughs) I'm sure everybody else (laughs) is nodding along. Wayne, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope I get to see you in person soon. Great. Thank you, Jim. This is great. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.